Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. The Bible, it's a masterpiece. It's a gift to you. And so today we're going to learn how to claim it for all it's worth. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold, and my name is Ben. You know, the Bible is the most read book in the world. But there are so many people who get stuck in a rut when it comes to even approaching it, let alone reading it. Sometimes we get frustrated. Rather than feeling inspired or energized, there's confusion or disenchantment, or you feel removed, and then you don't even go back because it's just so heavy or you feel like you're stuck in a muck and mire. Well, today, Bible scholar and lover of God's word, James Coakley, joins Afternoons with Bill Arnold to share 14 invaluable strategies that will bring our scripture study to life. In fact, he's written a book called 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. Jim, thank you for being on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh, I am too. I'm really excited to give people tools to help them enjoy the Bible more. So the Bible, as you say in your book, historical, true, it's also great literature. And the artist who created the universe has also gifted us with his word, which is beautifully designed and full of creativity. And it's interesting because some of the same riveting techniques that modern authors use in their books were also used by biblical authors long ago. And in this book, you help open our eyes to the dramatic and the, the poetical ways that God communicates to us. And readers will acquire some practical strategies to in, engage in God's word and, and general guidelines that will help keep them on track. So for somebody, let's just start here at the basics, Jim. For somebody who is interested in reading the Bible, you know, the number one thing that, that audience people that listen to Faith Radio, the number one thing that they say, the reason they listen to Faith Radio is so that we will help them understand the Bible better. Let's start at the basics. If I've never read the Bible before, what do I need to go? What do I need to know going into it? Well, it's it's a great uh, question because of the sense that we always tell people, you know, they come to faith, they are interested in the scriptures. Just read the Bible, and then of course, if you get into it, then we kind of give you tools how to study the Bible. But one of the things that I have uh, kind of been surprised by over the years is that we don't really help people know what to look for when they read. And so this book is really not necessarily a how-to-do-Bible interpretation. It will certainly help with that. But it really is, what should you, the reader, you got the Bible in your lap, you got the Bible in your app, uh, what should you be looking for as you're reading through God's Word? And it's just a simple reading strategy that I've developed over the years that just kind of give people the handles on which to kind of engage the reading of God's word. And I know it's a really lit a passion in my life and I know it has for others as well. So Jim, I know there is a bunch of people listening to faith radio right now that are on all ends of the spectrum. There are people that have gone to seminary that are pastors that listen, that are deep in the word, that go into the word that, that are listening to this conversation and hoping to gain insights. And there are also people who may be even questioning whether they start a relationship with Jesus. And so thank you for using language and, and having conversations and allowing me to ask maybe some questions that, that might be on both sides of the spectrum. So when we talk about the 14 ways 
to really enjoy God's Word. Let's start again with the basics and the first impressions. Uh, reading from Genesis to Revelation, would you recommend that? Well, I mean, it's always that that's a great question because uh, we often say to new believers, oh, maybe start something like the Gospel of John, John or the yeah. Book of James rather than the Book of Leviticus. Hmm. Uh, so there's a certain sense of wisdom, I think, to that. Certainly, we do want to get to the full counsel of God, be able to understand kind of the full story arc of what the scriptures are saying. But I think there is wisdom in kind of knowing where to start and where to, uh, to dive in. And so really, then my book comes alongside and just kind of helps whatever text you're reading. What are some things you should be actively looking for that are going to be more productive to give you kind of easy wins uh, so that you can begin to see God's word, in a sense, pop out uh, for your own life? Right. White and I were talking about it yesterday as we were going through the books of the Bible and how if you start in, in Genesis, maybe you, you don't know to start in John or James and you think it's, you know, a book, you read it from front to back and you read Genesis and then Exodus and then you're, whoa, Leviticus and then Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first, you know, and then you start and then you like, I find myself stuck at times in like Isaiah at times or and then I'll get through Jeremiah and Lamentation, then Ezekiel is hard. And then the first couple of chapters of Daniel are great. And then the, the rest of the book is hard, you know, so there's those, those ebbs and flows. And so just as we talk about your book. Jim Coakley here on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. This this book that Jim has written, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. Would would you help us just walk through some of these 14 fresh ways? Let's just start with first impressions. Yeah, this one was probably the one that kind of started me kind of thinking about how, you know, I could put this together in some type of uh, format to help others become, you know, even more engaged readers. And it, it's just something very, very simple. Uh, it's the idea of the fact that biblical authors are selective. They can't say everything about everybody that they talk about in the scriptures. And so what they have to do is kind of be very, very intentional about uh, using pieces of information from their life that help the reader kind of uh, get a kind of a portrait, kind of a snapshot of who that character is. And so basically, this is uh, kind of used by all uh, all authors. It's just what we call indirect a characterization. And basically what you're looking for is you're looking for a character's first words. When you see uh, the author uh, give the microphone, as it were, to a character in the story, look at what the author allows that character to say first. Uh, or also look at what do we first see the character doing, first actions. And then sometimes, not always, there's a little detail about their physical characteristics uh, that can also be very helpful to kind of give a little portrait of what they are, because some of those traits, whether they're beautiful or tall or, or hairy, uh, they all have meaning uh, that can help kind of round out uh, the information that, that we should think about as we're encountering that character in the story. And so this is uh, the one that's really easy to do is Moses. Of course, Moses is writing about himself because uh, he's writing the book of Exodus. And we think about what are his first actions? What do we first see Moses doing? Well, uh, we see him looking this way and that way and seeing uh, somebody getting beat up by an Egyptian taskmaster. Uh, he kills that one and hides him in the sand. And so we see him uh, doing those actions. What are the first words? Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Uh, the next day when he sees two of his own brethren uh, in a fight. And so those are the first words, his first actions. 
And so we can basically see Moses with those little pieces of information. We can already begin to see a couple of traits that are going to be really uh, prominent throughout his whole life. We see him as one who fights for underdogs. Uh, we see it at the end of that uh, chapter two when he has to run out of Egypt. He goes down to Midian and he sees some ruffians mishandling some women who want to just water their flocks. And he injects himself into the situation. When he sees injustice, he can't help it. Well, what better person do you want with the law uh, to be somebody who's concerned about injustice? Uh, and that's Moses, the lawgiver. And then, too, we also, though, see his Achilles heel. What is it? He sees injustice, but he doesn't handle it correctly. He goes out and kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. And so we see then this anger issue that's also going to be a trait. And, of course, we all know the story near the end of his life when he strikes the rock twice in anger. And so those those traits that we see at the very beginning, the first impressions of who Moses is, we see kind of can sense carry out through the whole life of Moses. Well, helping you understand the Bible better, grow in your relationship with God. Um, we are Afternoons with Bill Arnold today, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible with James Coakley. And Jim, we're so grateful. I hope you don't mind. I would just like to kind of go through these 14 just fresh steps because the way you talked about the first impressions, um, was insightful for me. And we tell people, Christians un, and unbelievers alike, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. But how do you do it? Your next step uh, is talking about reading the labels. Can you share more about that? Yeah, read the labels. Most of these techniques uh, have, you know, kind of more of a, uh, I guess, an academic bent to them in terms of how they're called. So this one is called a participant reference. Basically, what that means is Look for the uh, labels, look for the adjectives, uh, look for the ethnic uh, you know, distinctions that are given to people when you read them in God's word. And so you read about Ruth the Moabitess or Laban the Aramean, and all of a sudden you begin to uh, think about how uh, the author is giving you a snapshot once again of how they want you to view that character as a reader or how other characters are viewing each other within the text. And so, for instance, going back to Ruth, the Moabitess, why do we need to keep hearing that ethnic label given? We as readers are pretty smart. We know that Ruth is a Moabite woman right from the beginning of the book. But why keep on stressing that ethnic label as you go through as a reader? Well, one of the things it does do, and this is what drives most stories, is tension. You begin to feel that, hey, Ruth is an immigrant now when she goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem. And so this is now the way that the biblical author can keep that tension level uh, white hot is to realize that Ruth has got all sorts of hurdles in front of her uh, to make it in uh, an Israelite context at Bethlehem. And so that label of Ruth the Moabitess keeps that uh, kind of tension at the forefront of the reader. And so we might just kind of go along and say, well, I know who Ruth is. I don't need to know anything more about it. But these are subtle ways that you can enjoy the Bible more by just kind of tracking those things. And all of a sudden, then you see at the mm. end of the book that Boaz plays that uh, ethnic card mm. about Ruth uh, because there's the closer relative who actually has first dibs. And so what happens then is that he tries to put a poison pill into the deal uh, when he says, oh, yeah, sure, you can get her land. You can get Naomi's land. But on the day, you also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, <laughs> uh, the widow of the deceased. 
Uh, and so he's never called her a Moabite woman until that point. But in order to make her less attractive to the closer relative, he is not averse to playing the race card there uh, to make sure that he gets Ruth for himself. The Bible is alive and active, and it is so exciting. And God wants to take you on an adventure. If you're yearning to hear from God and to have a deeper relationship with him and understand the Bible better, you are in for a treat this afternoon. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're talking to Jim Coakley today. He's written this book. It's called 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. And we hope that through these next couple of hours or minutes as we have these conversations, that the the Word of God just becomes more accessible to you. Because at times for a lot of people, I know that it can seem overwhelming. I'm, I know that at times it can seem really hard to understand. Maybe you view it as a just a book of, of don'ts and a book of rules. It's so much more than that. And over the next couple of minutes with Jim Coakley, we're going to help you understand that and, and help you dive into the Bible. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. Coming up next, we're going to talk about stepping up to the mic and the launching pad, the next two chapters in Jim's book, next on Faith Radio. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of the Afternoon Show. Do you uh, still believe God is good? I think oftentimes when you share Christ with people, they, they want to ask two questions. Is God good, and can God be trusted? So do you believe he cares about the condition of you and your life and your soul? And do you think he still answers prayer? Well, I promise Susie Larson is going to help you wake up to the goodness of God and point you towards healing and wholeness. If you're in for an adventure of a lifetime and to be used by God, just text the word good to 877-933-2484 to get encouraging texts, prayers, and devotions from our own Susie right to your phone. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Fourteen Fresh, Exciting Ways to Enjoy the Bible. Jim Coakley has written this book, Fourteen Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. You're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben, and the Bible is God's masterpiece. It is a gift to you, but far too often that Bible just kind of maybe sits there on your nightstand. Maybe it's gathering dust. How do you find what you're looking for? How do you experience God through the Bible? And there are 14 fresh ways to help you enjoy the Bible as you read through it today. And that's why I'm so excited to have Jim on today. We've talked about the importance of first impressions and the the importance about reading the labels. You can always go back and listen to this conversation anytime on demand with the free Faith Radio app or the Afternoons with Bill podcast. So, Jim, um, let's just get to Chapter 3, and I, I'm grateful that you take us step-by-step through these 14 steps today, because I believe that God will have these like divine appointments today as people are getting out of work and getting ready for the weekend and, and what they're doing, um, and then they'll be listening at just the right time for just the right step, and we're at Step Number 3. It's called Step Up to the Mic. Would you help our audience understand what that means? Yeah, you certainly know as a radio host, uh, you control the microphone. Uh, and so you can, you know, control the conversation, but then you give opportunity for guests like myself to speak directly to the audience. And so that's an example of where there is a, you know, there's a control factor of how the narrator in the Bible can, in a sense, uh, summarize the events. But every once in a while, they can pass the microphone, as it were, over to a character in the story, and we get to hear their own voice and their own words uh, speak 
And of course, as we know, it gets to help with characterization because out of the mouth reveals the heart. And so this is then a beautiful way. And this one is probably one of the easiest to implement right away because all you have to do is simply look for quotation marks. And I think everybody in our audience can do that. Uh, look for those quote marks. And it was amazing to me that I never really ever had anybody tell me that uh, starkly. That's a simple way uh, to kind of track uh, what the biblical narrator, the biblical authors are wanting to foreground is because they could keep summarizing the event, but when they turn the microphone over, we get to hear uh, that. And oftentimes, this is the benefit of it, you get to see the theme of the passage in the lips of one of the characters. And so this is then a great way to get something out of the Bible just by picking up on a simple technique of looking for when a character speaks and by looking for those quotation marks. So you have plenty of examples of that. You have, uh, you know, Luke and at the end of his gospel, uh, you find this centurion who's there at the foot of the cross. And instead of summarizing the events and say there was a centurion there who recognized that Jesus was a righteous man, instead, uh, Luke passes over the microphone to this centurion and we get to hear him say, surely this was a righteous man. And so all of a sudden, in a sense, Luke is telling us, the reader, that we should be like the centurion. If we read the book of Luke correctly, we should come away acknowledging that Jesus truly was a righteous individual because the centurion did. And he allowed the, the man himself to say those words. And the centurion wasn't even a believer. I mean, I think that's the that's the thing that is the most bold for me in the, in that passage. Yeah, I mean, and that's the whole thing. An outsider with very minimal right. background picks it up right away. Well, of course, uh, those who have more information to operate with uh, should certainly be able to come to that conclusion much quicker. Jim Coakley's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're talking about 14 fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. Uh, chapter 4 is launching pad. Can you help us understand what that is? Yeah, and certainly we know when we read the books of the Bible, they're not like the books that you and I read today, which typically have a title, will have an author, will have a table of contents. And uh, so we don't get an introduction even. But when we read the books of the Bible, we just kind of start right in. Well, I my hypothesis here is that biblical authors are not just kind of meandering through the content. is they're selecting certain material that they place at the front of the book to kind of act as a mini table of contents for the rest of the of the material that they're presenting. And so it really is very helpful for us as readers to just pay extra special attention to what the author is communicating at the very beginning of these biblical books. And that way then uh, we can be in a sense prepped and primed for themes uh, that are going to be fully more developed later on. I call, I call them breadcrumbs. They kind of drop some breadcrumbs and they don't, in a sense, uh, fully explain them, but they, in a sense, prepare your mind, uh, kind of like an appetizer for a better meal to come. Uh, but it's all in light of that. And so a good example to me is the Cain and Abel story. Now, the first example of human history, as it were, after the fall, are two brothers who don't get along. And so we know the basic gist of the story. Uh, Cain is upset because his offering is rejected and Abel's is accepted by the Lord. And he, sadly, Cain kills his brother. Well, all of a sudden we realize that there's all sorts of things that are injected in that story that we don't really know a whole lot about. How do we uh, know about worship and sacrifice? We don't have any details. 
Well, stay tuned. You're going to read that in the book of Leviticus. So the Cain and Abel story helps prepare us for the worship theme that's going to be developed later on in the Pentateuch in the book of Leviticus. But then also the idea, the question that God asked of Cain, you know, uh, where is Abel your brother? And Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? Well, all of a sudden you realize that there's friction between Cain and Abel, and that's a major storyline for the book of Genesis. How many siblings don't get along with each other? So you have, you know, of course, uh, Jacob and Esau. You have uh, even Rachel and Leah. And you have Joseph and his brothers. And you have Abraham and Lot. And so you have a lot of family tension. Well, that story of Cain and Abel kind of prepares you for a theme that's going to be really foregrounded in the book of Genesis. But then it also says, Cain in that passage says, I'm going to be a, you know, a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Well, of course, uh, we see the results of sin is restless wandering. Well, we have the entire book of Numbers to, uh, in a sense, play that illustration out that when you sin, you're going to be wandering around in the wilderness. And then, of course, the operative question, you know, uh, if you do right, will you not be accepted if you do well? Well, the whole book of Exodus and Deuteronomy give you all sorts of principles by what it means to do well. And so the Cain and Abel story, even though it's a true historical account, acts as a table of contents for the rest of the Pentateuch. And so this is just one example of launching pad. 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. We're talking to James Coakley, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben today, and we're on to the, the next uh, step, number five, beautiful bookends. And and you talk about reading the, the first part of the Bible book and then reading the last part, literally skipping over the middle, looking for repeated elements, words and phrases and people and objects and places. Um, and once the bookends are detected, it just requires some just going back and then reading the rest of the book to look at how the bookends are so helpful thematically to to the content that's in the middle. I've never thought about doing that before. Yeah, in fact, I just did this myself. One of the things I just uh, completed, it's going to be uh, out in June. Moody has a daily devotional called Today in the Word. And so I did one for the Gospel of Matthew. So it's going to be out in June. And I already knew that there's a beautiful bookend, what we call an inclusio, in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's gospel begins with, you know, his name should be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then at the very end of the book, in the Great Commission passage, Jesus says, lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. And so the idea of God's presence is foregrounded at the beginning and end of the gospel of Matthew. But then what I did is, just as you just said, uh, Ben, I went through the entire book of Matthew looking for how is the theme of God's presence present, not just at the beginning and ending, but now throughout the entire book. And it was just amazing to me to see so many touch points of where that theme plays out. So when it comes to reading the Bible, uh, there are so many people, and I've found myself in this situation before, where I just want to sit down and I just want to read it. Is is that is that possible, or do we have to dig in and find the beginning and the end and the the labels and and all of the things that we're we're talking about to really get into God's word and to really understand it and then bury it into our hearts? Yeah, I love this question because it can be overwhelming. Say fourteen, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> you know, just give me a couple. Yeah. Uh, but the notion is, if you're just simply aware of these things, certainly they don't happen all over the Bible. 
And so some of these things are, are just kind of present in some of the books. Some of them are more uh, common in narrative books. I like read the label because that makes sense. If you're talking about characters and you're giving their ethnicity or their occupation or whatever. Uh, but really, if you're just kind of simply aware of this, and then as you read, if you kind of have in the back of your mind, okay, here's some of the things that biblical authors do, all good authors do, uh, then you have kind of what I call an active radar kind of going on. I know that works how it works for me. Uh, so if all of a sudden I'm reading through a passage, like you say, just reading it, and I notice quotation marks. And then I kind of pause and I say, okay, why did the narrator give up the microphone to the character? Sure enough, I'll spend a little time kind of looking at what does this uh, speech act kind of help me understand the passage better. And normally I get some, you know, really keen insights just from that. And so uh, I don't want to, in a sense, overwhelm our audience by thinking, man, you have to be so scientific. And that's why I use very simple label titles that just kind of, uh, kind of encapsulate what's going on. And then I think what happens is that over time, uh, you'll just kind of develop a kind of innate ability to kind of look for these techniques. But I do have to admit, it does kind of sometimes remove the simple kind of uh, enjoyment. I know when I watch films now or I read a book, I've always got my ear and eyes open for where are these techniques present in these other works of literature or film. And I can't just now sit on a couch or, or in a chair. And uh, I'm always thinking along with, well, okay, what is the author doing? What is the movie director doing here? And I get more insight, but the idea of just kind of sitting and chilling and binge watching, uh, no, I can't do that anymore because I'm always kind of asking these kind of questions in the back of my head but it makes me a far more engaged listener, a far more engaged reader, and it really makes reading and watching more fun. Yeah, so Jim, as we talk about your book, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible, and going off of that last question, what you're basically saying, just to put it in simple terms, is it's great to dive in and read the Bible and and do it, but once you start to understand what you're reading and you're digging deeper, you get more enjoyment out of it, correct? That is correct, because I think, sadly, sometimes when we talk about how people should study the Bible, we tell them to make all sorts of observations, just kind of be, have a blank piece of paper and just write down everything you see in a text. That can be helpful because you're getting into the details, but what I'd like to do is kind of, kind of tweak that just a bit and say, well, let's first of all start with what we know to be profitable things to observe, and then we can go deeper from there. But I know sometimes, you know, there's the idea, hey, read Acts 1-8 and come up with 50 observations from Acts 1-8. Well, <laughs> you're really straining to find observations. And then you kind of left wondering, I have all these data points, but I don't know what to do with it. So my strategy is, hey, let's follow known techniques about how authors communicate and then, you know, dive down deeper if I need to. But I have enough with the techniques that I talk about in the book to keep me more than engaged. Jim Coakley is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. My name is Ben. We're looking at 14 fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. And whether you've been reading the Bible your entire life or, or you're thinking about picking it up because somebody has told you, you want to experience God? You got to give your life to him. You got to read the Bible. You got to, got to dig into his word. Well, how do you do that? From both sides of the spectrum, we're finding out better ways to understand God's word to grow in relationship with him. James Coakley's written this book, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. We'll pick up the conversation in just a couple of minutes as we look at the object lessons 
how to identify objects within the text in the Bible that that are repeatedly associated with with a character in the story that you're reading, and then how to reflect those and the the characteristics of of how what that prop serves in the narrative and the function beyond their physical reality. It's coming up next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. You're starving for more God in your life. You want to experience him in the most real ways that leave you in awe and wonder. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. We're talking to Jim Coakley today. He's written this book called 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. We're kind of halfway through those those fresh ways. And this book has actually won an award from Christianity Today uh, for Bible and devotional. Uh, And they say it's easy to get stuck in our approaches to the Bible. Reading it from a certain perspective, asking the same questions of each text, maybe over and over again, defaulting to familiar ways of interpreting it, or even just getting bored with our old routines. This book, 14 Ways, gives you 14 ways to look at the Bible with fresh eyes, not only revealing meanings and and emphasis that we may have missed, but also illuminating the artistry and the ingenuity of of authors of the Bible and the, the spirit who inspired them. And Jim... Uh, your explanations of each concept, as well as examples from uh, both Bible uh, and non-biblical works, help us to read or deepen our understanding of the Bible. And that's the number one reason why people say that they listen to Faith Radio. So thank you, first of all, for writing this book and then for walking us through these steps. And now, if you're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold, remember you can always go back and listen to these conversations on demand with the free Faith Radio app. You can subscribe to the Afternoons with Bill Arnold podcast or listen on demand anytime, anywhere in the world at MyFaithRadio.com. We have quite a ways to go to get through 14. We're at number six. We're talking about object lessons here, Jim, about identifying some objects within the text that are repeatedly associated with a Bible character. Yeah, this is a, a, I think all of our listeners would understand, okay, you have Lord of the Rings. Rings are very much a prop, an object or Indiana Jones, the fedora and the bullwhip, uh, or lightsabers uh, with the Jedi. Uh, So we know that certain people get associated with certain objects. Well, believe it or not, uh, that was a technique used by Moses in even the early book of the Bible, Genesis. Each of the major patriarchs has a prop associated with them. And as soon as I say that, I want listeners to kind of be now, the next time they read through Genesis, look for where these objects appear, and you'll see there is intentionality with associating this object with the character. Abraham is trees. Isaac is wells. Jacob is rocks. And Joseph, probably the easiest one to recognize because every child knows this when they drew it with the full palette of the crayon box, Joseph's multicolor coat. Uh, and so clothes or garments are all the way through Joseph's life. Well, the reason why that makes sense is Joseph changes transitional roles just like we change clothes for different occasions. And it makes perfect sense to have Joseph keep on changing his garment or getting it taken away from him all through his life. Or when we read in the Gospel of John, we have the charcoal fire. Uh, Peter, again, it's kind of a, in, uh, in a, kind of a, a, not a very big point. It just says that Peter was warming his hands by a charcoal fire. 
in John chapter 18 and verse 18. And that's where he denies the Lord three times. But then at the very end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 9, Jesus is on the shore and the disciples are out in the Sea of Galilee going back to fishing. And they recognize that it's Jesus and Peter comes ashore. And what does Jesus do? He's preparing a breakfast on a charcoal fire. And then, of course, he asked Jesus, uh, Peter those three questions. And so that charcoal fire was the place where uh, Peter denied him. But now Jesus is lovingly restoring Peter by that same said object. And it's just kind of a neat way to show uh, how Lord is all about restoration. It totally is. And it's so awe-inspiring, too, and humbling. And it just leaves me in awe and wonder about how just everything in the Bible is just so tied together. But you just got to, you have to be able to look for it and to to even know what you're looking for. And so this book is so helpful about the 14 fresh ways um, to enjoy the Bible. Now we're moving on to to the next chapter, which is Poetic Diamonds. And it's so interesting when you, you come across maybe some indentation or italics. What makes those um, poetic diamonds so important? Yeah, normally when we think of poetry, we think of the poetic books, you know, like Psalms, like Song of Songs. Uh, but what I'm talking about here is when in narrative text, we have this poetic insert, just like you just said, whether it's italics or indented uh, kind of content, and I, I basically just say, pay attention to that. I know for me as a male, we don't tend to enjoy poetry. We kind of think that on the more feminine side. But now I really enjoy paying attention to poetry in the Bible because it is very theme setting. And so it's heightened speech. And so when the biblical narrator is telling a story in narrative mode and then switches to a lyrical mode, that is setting the theme for the reader to pay attention to because you're using very intentional lyrical material to communicate. And so we see that right away in Genesis chapter 1 when we have the fact that in Genesis 1:26 that God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so all of a sudden we have a poetic diamond where the focus of chapter 1 is that mankind is made in the image of God. And then chapter two, another poetic diamond, where we have Adam singing a little love ditty. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And we see the importance of marriage, uh, the highest of all human relationships. And then we get to chapter three, where we have the curse. And if we look in most printed Bibles, they kind of indent that or italicize it because it's, it's very lyrical even though it's a very uh, depressing subject, is the fact that we now have fallen because of sin. But we have kind of what I call the blues. Uh, we sing the blues. It's uh, not a very uh, love ditty like Adam just sang in chapter two. But then sadly, we get to the next chapter where there's a poetic diamond where Lamech boasts to his wife in lyrical content. Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. Again, that's parallelism, like maybe we see in the book of Psalms. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And I like that too. They're the, sorry for the label, but gangster rap. <laughs> Here this guy is singing about maiming and killing people. And we see the progression, even in music, how it starts very hymnic, that we are made in God's image. Then we get to the beautiful love ballad of Adam. But then sin falls and we sing the blues. 
Then we come along, next chapter, we're glorifying violence, like we sometimes sadly see in some musical forms today. And that's really, it's nothing new under the sun. This has been happening. So paying attention to those lyrical insets. And they happen in Luke. They happen in other books of the Bible. And so that's just one little fresh way to kind of make your Bible reading pop a little more, is just paying attention to when lyrical content is injected into the narrative texts. Jim, your next chapter in your award-winning book, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible, talks about geographical locations and how important they are because they evoke a certain mood and functions as a literary stage and kind of paints this picture for us when we dive into it and study it more. Can you talk a little bit about that and the importance of it? Yeah, basically we're talking about setting, uh, location, uh, the geography of where events take place. And we know that they create certain moods. We know that when you're in a sea storm, that's ominous. Or when you're on a mountain, there's places of revelation. Or when you're in a garden, it's uh, kind of more idyllic or peaceful. Uh, and so these are the things that are happening there. And so what I'd like to have people do is when they read the Bible, we normally think of characters having voices. But I want uh, readers to be aware that the setting, the place where the events take place, also has a voice. Now, it's not audible, but it is communicating something to you, the reader. And so pay attention to that. And so all of a sudden you realize that, in, like in the Gospel of Matthew, mountains are places of revelation. Uh, so there's seven times where Jesus is associated with mountains, uh, giving revelation. And so that makes sense because Mount Sinai, uh, back in Moses' day, was the place where God gave revelation. Moses is being uh, then retasked, as it were, uh, in Jesus as the second Moses or the new Moses. And we see Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is then echoing kind of what happened at Mount Sinai to the new kingdom of followers. So, Jim, we talk about these things, and, and we're up to chapter 9 here. We're going to have to take just a break. We've been talking a lot about location, location, location. We're going to talk about time and the importance of time. And I want to ask you when we come back, like, noticing these things is one thing, but then understanding the reason why and what they mean is a complete uh, another thing, too, as as we're looking for 14 fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. Thank you for your dialogue. We'll be right back here in just a couple of minutes. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My guest is... Is James Coakley, this book, 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible, has won an award from Christianity Today, the best Bible and devotional category. I highly recommend it. We're having a, an interesting conversation as as we, we go to God's Word to experience Him. And the number one reason people say they listen to Faith Radio is to help them understand the Bible better. That's what we're doing today. This is Faith Radio. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of The Afternoon Show. My friend and colleague, Susie Larson, will say that even when you feel discouraged, God is still there. He's still good. He cares about you and is in the business of fixing what is broken to make you whole. Experience his peace today. This month, thanks to our friends at Thomas Nelson, Faith Radio is giving away 100 copies of Susie Larson's new book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. You can enter to win yours right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. 
14 fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. You're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. My name is Ben. We're talking to Jim Coakley today. He's written the, that book. It's gotten an award from Christianity Today, from the, the Bible and in, in devotional category, to help you deepen your understanding of the Bible and appreciate the beauty of God's Word as we look, and so many of us look, and so many people pray and ask and send texts and emails about wanting to hear from God. Well, we go straight to God's Word. We lead people to a relationship with Jesus. We tell them to read God's Word. But then so many of us find ourselves reading God's Word going, okay, now how do I understand this and what am I supposed to get out of this? And that's where this book comes along and helps you. And Jim does such an amazing way. We've had a great conversation. You can always go back and listen on demand anytime with the free Faith Radio app. You can go back and listen to the Afternoons with Bill Arnold podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just subscribe to them or at MyFaithRadio.com. So we've been talking a lot about location. We've been talking about um, who's stepping up to the microphone, who's talking. We've been talking about props and descriptors and in so many amazing ways. Now I want to talk about clock management and the pacing and the importance of that. Jim, would you help us understand, because um, it's so commonplace in the Bible, and it, it's mainly a, a narrative phenomenon. It's commonly observed in these historically focused books, although the principle is still the same in other genres uh, of the Bible. Help us track how these biblical authors use both time and pacing as a way to track what they're emphasizing in the text. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just like in sports, uh, coaches at the end of a game have to manage the clock. Well, biblical authors or any author, they would say, uh, has to be able to uh, handle the right pacing. Uh, and so things sometimes slow down to focus on an event uh, like Genesis 22 that happens in the course of less than a week where Abraham nearly sacrifices his son Isaac. But then sometimes, you know, large swatches of years go by with nary any information. And so when you think about Abraham's life, 175 years he lives, but really only 25 years are really the focus of, of the story arc of Abraham's life, because not till he gets to be 75. And then there's a 13-year gap in that. So I'm always surprised when I look at, uh, really, we're only reading about 12 years out of 175-year span. Uh, so basically, that means then that the Moses is being selective to talk about Abraham and we have to then see where the, the, the focus is uh, that the author has as to what's being really stressed. And it's also the same with out of order. Uh, we think about the fact that sometimes things are not chronologically in the same order that we think. And so we have, for instance, the Tower of Babel Institute uh, in, uh, uh, a passage, Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. But in chapter 10, we have the Table of Nations. Well, at the end of that chapter 10, it says there was many, these are the languages of these clans, uh, languages, plural. And then in Genesis uh, you know, 11, it says the, all the earth had one language. It's like, well, what's going on? Did you just unlearn all those languages? No, basically we put the table of nations before the event that caused it. You know, it's basically, you know, the chicken egg kind of thing, which came first. And in reality, it makes sense to reverse the order because we see then the table of nations as a positive thing coming off the boat of Noah, where it says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And that's what we see. But if we put the table of nations in the right order, we would see it very negatively because it would be caused by the Tower of Babel incident, which was uh, one out of pride. 
And so you just have to pay attention to pacing and ordering of events. We read the Bible. Sometimes we kind of read as Westerners. We kind of expect it to be linear, chronological, uh, very progressive. But sometimes biblical authors can rearrange content. It's true. Jim Coakley is our guest. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. And one of the things that changed the way that I read the Bible, somebody said to me several years ago, watch for repetition. And we're running out of time here, but I just want to touch a little bit on repetition. And then then I have some other questions for you, too. We're, we're having this conversation about this book, and it's really good. 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible with James Coakley. So can you talk a little bit about repetition and, and how, you know, the conversations that we've had, um, you know, this whole hour so far has been meant to simplify the Bible. And I know uh, as our approach to reading, to understanding the Bible so we can get more out of it. But I know for some people, they're probably going, whoa, this seems really complicated um, to me. I just want to be able to experience God by reading the Bible. One of the things that for me was really helpful was was repetition. Just look out for repetition as you read the Bible. Can you Can you help us understand the significance of that? Yeah, of course, as a teacher, uh, you know, repetition is the key to learning, as we often hear. And so when biblical authors repeat a concept, repeat a word, that really is one telegraph way that they are stressing to the reader what to pay attention to. Uh, so, for instance, you have, uh, again, going back to the Cain and Abel story, Genesis chapter 4, uh, the words brother and Abel are repeated seven times and Cain is repeated 14 times. So not only do you have repetition, but you also have certain frequency of numbers like 7 to 14, which seem to be, again, very intentional to do that. But we get to the question uh, that Cain asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? Well, it's almost as if the text answers that question because of the sevenfold repetition mm. of the word brother. So brother, 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 brother. Yes, you are your brother's keeper, yeah. even though the Lord doesn't answer that question directly. The text, in a sense, answers it by the uh, insertion of so many repetitions of the word brother. Hmm. Jim Coakley, can you give us an example of one of the ways that you would suggest that I could take to my Bible tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, whenever uh, we have our next appointment um, with God that will maximize the enjoyment level of, of people listening as they go and interact with God's Word? Yeah, I have a whole chapter at the very end of the book I call Bonus Reading Guidelines because there's multiple ways. And uh, a lot of people you know, go through a Bible reading plan, but sometimes they just need kind of some basic kind of things to do. Uh, you know, I encourage people, one of the best things to do is read the whole book at one setting. Uh, when I taught Old Testament survey, I had students read Jeremiah all in one sitting. It takes about four to five hours right. to do it, but that's the longest book of the Bible. And so if you can uh, sit down and read Jeremiah in one sitting, the notion there is sometimes uh, we as, and again, there's a benefit to breaking it down into smaller chunks for discussion and in-depth conversation, but we miss the flow if we don't read the whole book. And that's why we're not often catching uh, themes or catching uh, uh, literary devices because we're only looking at a paragraph or a chapter. And so I encourage uh, one of the things to do is read uh, the whole book in one sitting, if you can. And most of the books of the Bible can be. I mean, we have no problem binge watching or watching a two, two, three hour movie. And there's a number of books of the Bible that we could read within that same uh, number of time frame. And uh, so there's really no reason why we shouldn't be able to. It's just that we're just not used to reading large swatches of scripture. But that's one that I highly recommend. 
Okay, the most read book in the in the world, the Bible, but sadly not well read. That's what you said. Um, and so, would you? I found it at times that sometimes when I don't understand, like say I'm I'm getting stuck in the book of Ezekiel, just spending the time with God and just reading it, and then if I didn't understand or get anything out of it, the next time I go back, I reread the same thing again. Is is that helpful? Is is that something you'd encourage or no? Yeah, I mean, certainly read repeatedly is good. I mean, I do uh, think you you acknowledge something that not all texts are the same. You know, so if you're reading a narrative text, you can kind of track the movement of people, places, and events. But when you get into, you know, some of the major prophet books like Jeremiah or Isaiah, um, there's more at play. So there are more advanced kind of uh, techniques that you need to be aware of to do that. That's not impossible. It's just that we typically are not kind of uh, kind of trained to kind of uh, think in ways of how the prophets were doing things. And so uh, that's where, you know, having some background helps. And this is where we're sometimes at a disadvantage. I teach life in Bible times. And sometimes we, you know, don't really care to know about history. Well, you're not going to do very well if you're not understanding the nation of Assyria and what they're like as compared to the Persians and Cyrus. Uh, they're just different empires and how they go about the way that they live. And so there is some background information that the original audience had because they lived it. But we have to kind of fill in some of that background information. Right. And uh, so it's not daunting, uh, but it is something that we need to be at least sympathetic to opening up uh, some background related materials to kind of help us understand some of the more challenging books of the Bible. Okay, Jim Coakley, we have just about 60 seconds left. Would you recommend reading multiple versions of the Bible or would you stick with one? Uh, and do you no, recommend I one or recommend two? because uh, there's something about seeing it in a new way, a new voice. It just kind of triggers good, what I call text centered questions. Why is it this? Oh, I thought it was this, but this book says it this way. This the version says it this way. Uh, listen to it orally is another great way because that was the way the original audience was consuming God's word is by listening to it orally. And you could pick up on some of these literary techniques when you hear the repetition okay. or uh, you see some of these things or you hear them with your ears. Any versions you'd recommend? Well, certainly if you're doing kind of a deep study, you want New American Standard Bible or something like that, because that's going to keep the repetition of the original language words more more prevalent. Uh, but if you just want to kind of get the flow, I mean, some of the versions like uh, the, you know, new NIV or the Holman Christian Standard Bible or even the Net Bible. Uh, Net Bible is great because it's really a kind of a combination of more formal and functional. Uh, the text is kind of more functional, but the notes give you the details of the original language. And so it's a good combination. Awesome. James Coakley, 14 fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. I've this hour's flown by. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for encouraging each of us. 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible with James Coakley. You can buy it now. It's won awards for uh, the best Bible and devotional from Christianity Today. What a joy to spend time with you this week. Thank you. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.